in a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm back in Alaska and if all goes according to plan this week, we will be in the Arctic Circle exploring a part of Alaska that you can drive to. If weather cooperates, we'll be visiting two more national parks. But this week also marks six months of travel on our family gap year, so I thought it was a good time to bring my husband back on the show to talk through how we got here. I don't mean literally, but Kind of. He referred to this as his midlife retirement, and I love that analogy. Much of our family gap year is an experiment in doing life differently. He shares more about his travel backstory, how the gap year came about, how we're funding it, and what he is learning throughout the process. If you want to know even more, I suggest picking up a copy of my book, Beyond Normal, which will be linked in the show notes. Our guest today rarely sits still, enjoys strong coffee, and can fix just about anything. He wasn't born wanderlust or with the same amount of spontaneity as his wife, but together they have crafted an adventurous life with three kids. Brent Dusick is Mr. Ordinary Sherpa, who takes on more Black Diamond Trails, my co-pilot, and most often seen in the driver's seat of our RV while traversing North America. Hey, babe. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Heidi, for having me. It's been a pleasure to uh, sit next to you on the RV. Is that what you were about to say? I was. I didn't know. Like, uh... Yeah. So we haven't done an episode in a really long time. So I thought, you know, I did all the kids or I've recorded an episode with all of the kids, both when we started and now kind of almost four or five, cripes, almost six months by the time this will publish about our gap year. We should probably do one, but like take us back because it's been a little while. I don't even know that we've ever talked to or we've shared with my listeners about how what your travel experience was before you met me and kind of what were a couple of the key things that got you on board with the idea of a family gap year. So do you want to go back to some of your earlier travel experiences before you met me? And then how did this idea of a family gap year, like how did it work? How did it come to you and how did you react all those? Can we start with that? Sure. I guess my family, it was always about, in air quotes, going up north was kind of our vacation, meaning that we would go up to a cabin that we had rent or as I got older, when I say older, like middle school age, was a trailer in a park growing up. And then I, I think I probably took my first flight like when I was in college, like a sophomore in college was my first actual flight on a plane. And then thereafter was just kind of travel on my own for, you know, the guys getting together. And then I met Heidi, who basically was all about traveling. And I got exposed probably the first summer that I I met her was a a trip to Sturgis in a matter. And I think we talked about this before uh, Mm -hmm. in a matter of two weeks before it happened. And I was like blown away that we could even do it. She's like, oh, we'll just go. And like, this will be fine. And I'm like, how are we going to like, do anything and it worked out and it was probably one of the best trips that I've I can remember going on like there's a lot of them but 
more so just because it was very spur of the moment. Like we're just going to go to Sturgis for the weekend. We're going to leave on a Thursday. We're going to come back, I think maybe on a Monday or a Tuesday. And then we, we did some more traveling, I guess, together, pre-kids, smaller trips, nothing like, you know, one a year. And then, so as we had kids, our travel slowed down a little bit, but again, I would say Heidi's yearning of, we got to keep doing this and figure out a way to do it, uh, would become more every year we kind of planned a trip to go somewhere. And that was kind of like, this is pretty cool. I think through both of us, as well as her always looking for these intriguing things to do that were kind of the, the off the beaten path, not the tourist things that could get us somewhere that wasn't extremely expensive, making it affordable to do with, with our family was kind of what was neat. It was everywhere we went, there was always something that we, we kind of focused on as we went. And then as we did the travel thing, flying was kind of our main means of transportation. Um, our trips were getting longer and we were finding our kids were missing the one individual that didn't make it on the plane, which was our dog. So we kind of joked about that. Oh, we're going to have to like do the RV thing. And then that's where that kind of became our travel mm-hmm. means as we rented two of them. And that kind of got us into the mode of transportation of, oh, this RV thing was kind of cool. I was totally against it because I'm like, if you own an RV, you need to be gray haired and <laughs> retired because that was my my envision of an RV owner. Uh, we did rent the two. I fell in love with it. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. The kids can go to the bathroom. We don't have to stop every five minutes. And, you know, we kind of have everything on board that we needed. Mind you, I think our first rental was during COVID. So that brought a whole new thing into the mix, but we were self-contained. So it was really good for that. And I think Heidi as well kind of joked about, you know, going kind of a gap year. Uh, We didn't know what that really looked like. I think at that point, prior to that, it was a joke just to do more, more travel, like, overseas, I think, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think that's where we were kind of going with the travel piece of it in the gap year sense. And then once we did the, the RV twice, and that was kind of like, oh, this is pretty cool. I think this fits our, our family better and that we could bring the dog with, because that's what the kids always missed in our two trips that we really were gone for an extended period of time. Yeah. Brings us up to the gap year. Um, the gap year thing for me, it took me a little while to really wrap my head around leaving my job or, you know, looking at another way to do a piece of work, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work my head around what it would look like to leave for a year and kind of walk away from everything. So that was my big hurdle with, I guess, I was looking, I was getting a little burnt out as well. So it kind of came a point where I was like, yep, I could do this maybe. And I guess that's kind of how we got. Okay. So you have this idea or maybe Heidi drops a seed or whatever she does. And we're talking about Heidi in the third person here. It's me. (laughs) And I know we've talked on previous episodes for my audience about the rental process. So I'll link to those in the show notes. But I want to talk a little bit about like the mindset of getting into gap year. I mean, I remember a couple of things for me. Like I remember having this like life plan, lifestyle design thing that I did. And my quote was, I want every day to feel like vacation. So for me, that just meant a lot of time together as a family doing fun things. And travel offered that for us. That was part of the reason why I said that. But I'm curious, was that the same draw for you? Like, was the pull of a gap year to have more family time? Was it to try something different? I'm just curious, what 
when that idea of like gap year came, what was exciting about that idea that was worth you diving in and jumping on board? I think it was really the family time plus what I did for, you know, 18 years being a teacher, really. My travel time was so focused in certain time periods of the year that I looked forward to being able to go and do stuff with my family in different time periods, I guess, mm-hmm. to be able to go skiing and then ski during the week versus the weekend. Those are, you know, as well as go and experience the country in different different parts of the year yeah. to, and, and have that ability to do that. Um, that was intriguing to me and as well, just to be able to possibly live in different areas during different seasons where you would never experience that being stationary in a house. So I guess that was that was pretty intriguing to me and just kind of going and seeing how everyone else did, like our family. Mm-hmm. What were you, so you talked a little bit about your hesitation of like leaving a job and what that would look like. Was that your biggest hesitation that you had to work through was like, what would I do for work? Or was it, were there other things that you were really hesitant about the idea of a gap year? I think personally, like that was a big piece because work to me, you know, and to a lot of people, it's what gives you the ability to go and do things. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a a big thing because I, you know, you've done that for so long and it's the way that you're supposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, live life as work every day and do those things. So that was a big question mark as well as the other piece, the kids, how is the family going to do? How are they going to homeschool like we are doing? Are they going to be okay doing that? What other hurdles are going to come up because it's different? It's not the norm. We're not going to school every day like we have for the past, you know, eight years with with Caleb or, or any of the other kids. So those are some things that I think were questions. And, you know, it's, again, we sat down and talked about them. So it kind of gave me peace of mind once we talked to the kids about those things. So it, it did help in, you know, making my decision easier. I want to pause there for a second because you talk about what would school look like for the kids? But you also have been in the school system for more years than they have and walking away from a system that you knew were ingrained in. How was that experience? Like, what was it like when you, do you want to talk about like giving your resignation notice? And did you have any idea of what the next step for you was going to look like for work? Uh, That was it was interesting to say the least to give my resignation only because I had made a move within two years to this district that I had worked in previously five years ago. So I'd left for five years and then I came back for two that I was there. And the whole time I was kind of like made the move to this job and I'm like, this is going to be good. I'm with my kids in the same district. So everything was kind of in a sense falling into place, but I made the move for different reasons and they weren't bringing me joy, I guess, in in my job in every aspect. So I knew that it was kind of the work that was not what I wanted to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. Giving my resignation, we had talked, we had talked numerous times about this. I wasn't ready. And that was, I think it was about the turn of the the new year coming into when we were going to start our gap year kind of thing, possibly. And I think it was early March-ish I came to you and I was like, I think I'm going to resign. And you're like, oh, what took you so long? I'd already figured, I already thought you were. And I was like, holy cow, you're already like, you're already there. And I wasn't, uh, which I was just always funny to me. But yeah, it was, went to my principal and, and kind of sat down with him and just kind of told him where I was at. And 
I didn't know what to expect either. It was going to be, Hey, we support you or thanks a lot. We hired you on expecting this, you know, and he was totally supportive of it. It was way easier than I thought. And through the whole thing, they were great. My two coworkers that I worked with in my team were, were pretty blown away about it there. But again, supportive. They were just like, awesome. Good for you. I think it made it easier that I wasn't leaving for another position in a different district. They knew like through just us traveling, they're like, yeah, that totally makes sense that you're going to do this. Breaking away from the, the educational part of it, you know, I had 18 plus years into teaching it was really hard to pull away from the educational position that I was in just to not be around students. And that's, that was really the big part that was sometimes hard was to not be out there with the students and giving them new building blocks to go on and and do different things. Being a tech ed teacher, that was what I strived for was, Hey, I can give a student a skill and he can build on it or she can build on it. So that was one piece that was, you know, sometimes hard every day was once I resigned, I was like, am I going to miss this? But once I did do it. It was like, all right, I'm going to close this chapter for now. And I can always come back to Mm -hmm. it. That's what I always thought about was even though I'm closing it, it's never going to go away at the point where we say this gap year thing is over. I should be able to go back and get a job if there's openings out there um, and continue teaching. Well, in your district even said you could come back, right? That they would try to make it work. So I think that gave some reassurance that your time in the educational system didn't feel like it was a waste. You know, you learned a lot. You had a lot of experience. And so I think that was helpful. But at the same time, you had to kind of unlearn quite a bit of things to move forward. And I know you had some time, you know, so the way your contract works, forgive me for just like telling everybody, but you resigned in, I'm trying to put a timeline together. I believe you resigned in April because you have to give notice. April because I wanted to be early enough. Yes. That and they want notice so that they can start hiring so that they can replace you over the summer. But your contract didn't legally end until August, correct? Correct. And then (laughs) you... You had a coworker who uh, was having a baby, and so he asked if during his parental leave, parental medical leave, if you would come back and substitute teach. So you did that for a couple of weeks, did a couple of projects, and I think it was like end of September, you were like, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) You had quite a bit of time from the time you actually resigned to the time you stopped getting a paycheck. Was there a moment when you're like, I think I screwed up? Like when you went back substitute teaching, did you think, gosh, I really miss this. I want to come back to school. Or did you have different feelings? I had different feelings. (laughs) Uh, When I went back and substitute, it was, I was like, nope, I'm done. There was moments during the summer when, when I was off, once I walked away from school, it felt good in June. I was like, yep, this is going to be grand. And then it kind of hit me when I put the kids back in school in September, brought them back. I'm like, whoa, my routine is different. I'm dropping them off and I am not going to the high school to go to work. I am going to go the other direction and go work elsewhere. And it worked at home. And then I did do the the substitute teaching where I went back and did it. And I was like, nope, I'm done. This was a good move. I was in a, in a spot in my career that I was not enjoying it the way I should have been. It sunk in and that was the right move. Like at this point in my life, I'm like, yep, I'm good and sealed the deals. Yeah. So then what did you do after you stopped? You're like, okay, well, I'm not going to substitute teach anymore. First was trying to, well, there was a couple things. I knew that I could go and get back into the construction trade and do that work for a little while. So I did do that, reached out to a couple of contractors, even when I, um, before I even 
was done teaching, I had um, an offer to go to work for a, a local company um, doing construction full-time, full career. And I was like, ah, that's a little more than I want. I, I did say, I'm like, I want to be very fluid and I don't want to have to work the the seven to seven, like long hour days, seven days a week, whatever. I wanted the ability to say, hey, if I have to leave early for my kids, you know, I want to be able to do that. Likewise, if, you know, something comes up, I don't want to be, I don't want to be tied to a job. So I did reach out to uh, one of the uh, local construction guys, told him kind of what I wanted to do, told him that we were going to be leaving in January. And he was totally supportive. He's like, yeah, I'll take you on. No problem. I said, just kind of a part-time, you know, work full days, whatever. And he was very very helpful. So I went and did construction for through the end of the year. Uh, we were done, I think the week or two before Christmas. So I did that for a couple of months. And then during that transition period, Heidi and I were, were talking about what I was going to do. And I, I kind of did kick around the idea prior to was RV tech stuff. But a couple of them that I looked at, or one in particular was just a, a really long program, a little bit more costly as well. And through a contact, I believe Heidi had, uh, I found an RV school and looked into it and it kind of fit the bill of what, what I was looking for. And, and as well, just to help, um, if it did turn into a career or a side job, uh, to pay some bills or just kind of get my feet out there a little bit as well as just kind of maintain what we already have. So we looked into that and I enrolled, rolled into that class and have currently went through two of the different levels and, got my certification as an RV tech. So I kind of turned into that. I did the level one prior to leaving in January. So I think I had that completed, I think mid end of November, I think I got that done and then enrolled in the second one starting in February through, through May, which I did online. So. And what was it that drew you to that field? So did you have a background in working on RVs or anything like that, that you were like, I think I could do this? Or was this just like, well, I guess this is my next option. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did do, prior to being a teacher, I did start out in the diesel mechanic. I was going to be a diesel tech. So I, I had some background in that and not like I, I actually completed. I only went halfway through that, spent a year um, in schooling and doing that. And then most of the other stuff has been, that would lead me into that was just stuff that I did on my own. The RV tech stuff, the real draw at the beginning was at the very least I could work on my own stuff. And as I started doing the stuff to our own RV, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is kind of nice. I, I could see myself doing this for a career possibly. And that's what pushed me to to go into that and trying to get the experience and the education part of it and see where it goes. We haven't talked and I haven't really gone into detail, but in essence, in order for us to go on a gap year, it meant that we were saving essentially your entire salary for the most part, not not 100%, but it meant that you had to kind of put away your check <laughs> and lose a little freedom, autonomy maybe, in your spending money or, I mean, it's ours, I guess, the way we look at our money. We cover each other's expenses whenever we needed to. But I'm curious how you got on board. With, like, was that okay with you? And why did you say yes to that? You know, I think... When couples start talking about money, it can get really tense and really uncomfortable. And it's very easy to look at things and think like, this is mine. I've worked for this. I want this. I want that. Was that at all a, a challenge for you in considering the gap year that it meant you'd have to give up 
or yeah, walk me through that, just kind of some of the psychology you work through in, in getting to that point and being on board with it financially. I would say just moving into that state. Yeah. It was tough at first. Like, oh, that's that's my check. I have to now ask for permission to do something because that money's already kind of earmarked for something else. But really in the, the big scheme of things, it was ours and that I knew that in the end, by doing this, it was going to allow for something bigger and better later on. So, and it was always a joke. There was always a dollar amount that we, you didn't have to ask for permission for. And really, truly, there was never a time where I think there was a purchase made or a big purchase that we didn't talk about. You know, there wasn't ever a, a oh, you can't get that because you don't have enough in your account or, or whatever. So I knew that by doing this, it was going to one, either build into the gap year or it was really going to help us financially for retirement in whatever way that looked like. So that's really what I think it started out as. And then it kind of progressed into, hey, this gap year thing could really happen at some point. Not as quickly as we thought it was going to in the beginning, yeah. but I knew that that was coming. And I was on board with that because I knew the gap year thing. I'm like, you know how cool that would be to take a year off, basically half my retirement midlife. A midlife retirement. And yeah. be able to go and do those things. A midlife retirement. That's kind of what I looked at gap year being like. I didn't want to, like if I could do it now and work a little later or or what that looks like moving forward. So why did you do it? Uh, what were some of your reasons for like when you were weighing the pros and cons? Really just do what I wanted for a year. And with my family, like the things that we've done, like I look at so far, I mean, I could never have done what we've done or travel as much as I've traveled. Like to say that I've done 12,000 miles. You don't think you could do that when you retired? I couldn't ski like we skied when we retire. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's like a health component. There's like an age component. Yeah, the health. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like I want to be able to go and ride bike. And there's not that there isn't a way to do it, but I don't know what my body is going to be like when I'm 60 years old or 70. I'm not going to be able to go ride the road to the sun with my two boys because when I'm retired, most likely they're going to have a family and not get to go on and do these things that I want to go do or they want to go do. Mm -hmm. To be able to go do those things as a family is huge. It's one thing you like, and I, all the stuff that we can do too, you and I, awesome. But we mm -hmm. get to experience it as a family in so many different ways that- Well, and I'm not going to ride the road to the sun with you. <laughs> Just to be honest, like that doesn't sound like fun. And some of the trails you want to do, have fun, right? Good no, day. Exactly. So, but your son will, right? Some of the black diamond ski routes that you did, nope. I'll go sit in the lodge with our daughter. I'm fine with that. You know, I think that's having a partner in the adventures that we've done. I don't know that I'm always going to be your partner for those things because it's just not my jam. Yeah. So I think those are the things that I looked forward to. Is I don't think they were really apparent to me as much as they were now looking at what we've done. And, and now it's like, oh, I can't say I would have been able to experience all of that. I could have experienced bits of it, but everything that we did, like all the skiing, all the biking, all the hiking, you know, all of these things that, that now I look back and those are all the things I looked forward to. Yeah. I appreciate that. I am curious now that you are six months in, I have two questions for you. One is kind of looking forward are you ready to keep going? Kind of what's next, but also looking back, I'll start with looking back. If you were to look back five years or someone hears this podcast and they're thinking, man, I want to do a gap year. Do you have any insights on things that helped you 
say yes to this, either, like you said, financially, mentally, just any of those things. I mean, life is a very holistic process. It's not just work that you had to work through. It's a kind of a lot of things, but any ideas on like, where would you start or what advice might you give someone who's interested in this or the work that they can start now, even if they don't take a gap year for three, four, five years from now? For a lot of people, it's I'd start with the financial piece because that's where I think a lot of the the hesitation is going to come from is how are we going to afford this? Mm-hmm. I think you also got to think about it as this isn't travel. This isn't a vacation per se. You're not spending like on a vacation. So don't compare it to that. You know, you want to be thinking like, I'm going to live at this level. Like find out what that is. Find out what, I guess, your joy out of it, I guess. Try and put that together of what things are things that you want to focus on. You know, getting mentally ready for financially, what's that going to look like? How can we do things? And, and that's going to look differently for everybody. But I think that helped me under, like get to that point was, okay, we're doing X, Y, Z to make this happen. And we have this here ready for, you know, retirement, but this could be also this kind of thing as well. So that's where I would start. And then yeah, you always, you were good at this because I was horrible at it. I'm, I'm a very hands-on worker if, other than, you know, education. It was outside of that field. If I left education, what was I going to do? What was I going to do to, as a side hustle, however you want to word it, what was I going to get into next? That was really a struggle for me. And I was always thinking about that once I said, all right, I'm on board, I'm resigning, was trying to figure out what am I going to do that I can do on the road? I didn't want to do computer work. I knew that. And and that helped me pick the RV thing. It was like, oh, this was something I could do on the road. So that that appealed to me was it's hands-on work that I would enjoy on the road and hopefully I can generate enough business just that way. So, Yeah. And just for reference, our lifestyle back home when we tracked and now I'm not a big spreadsheet kind of nerd. I mean, I do keep track of our net worth, but I'm not a good monthly budget where I track all of our expenses. But annually, I mean, our life costs roughly between 70 and $90,000. Now, I know that's high. That's a big gap. But that's because I tried to force us to spend a little bit more a couple of years to say, like, is this enough? Is this like, is this making me any happier? So part of the joy audit, too, was like, if we spend more, does it make us feel better? And we kind of always landed right between like 70 to 90,000. So that's really what we were saving for. Like, can we save $70,000 at a minimum? And, and that was kind of the benchmark. And I remember when I looked at Brent one day and I was like, uh, babe, it's time to go in a gap year. And you're like, what? I was like, yeah, that fund that we've been saving in just hit our annual expenses amount, you know, that benchmark that we were at. So I think both of us were a little shocked that it happened as fast as it did. Because actually, I think I've mentioned this, I'm not sure if I have on the podcast. I personally didn't intend to start the gap year until right now. So it was summer of 2023, I expected to start it. And we actually started it six months earlier. So I think it's interesting when you get this mindset, you know, like when you get very clear about what you're working on, the how becomes pretty easy. There's things that you'll have to work through and there's fear things that you'll have to work through. Mindset, financial work, like you mentioned, school has been another thing that we've had to work through. But the funny thing is, like the 
more clear we are on what we want, the how to get there seems to be easier than when it was like, well, maybe I want this. Maybe I want that. Like, I don't know that you and I in our previous 10 years of marriage really knew what we were going to do 10 years from now. You know, like, I don't know that we had a clear goal. I knew we were going to buy our house, fix it up and okay, right? (laughs) I don't know that there was another thing that we were looking forward to other than once this gap year happened, it became very clear like, yep, that's the next thing. But I do think as you go forward, how is it going? I would love your perspective to share with listeners too. Any learnings you've had from this experience thus far, like again, almost six months in, are you going to keep going? You know, how have you assessed that along the way to know is it good, bad, and different? What might you do differently? Can you give some insights on kind of the future and, and what you've learned from us so far? I would say as far as how it's how it's going so far, I think it's going better than I expected. I expected living in an RV of about 300 square feet to be very troubling, more so just personal space. Knew that that was going to be really the issue and thought that it would be a, a bigger problem. In a, in, a, in a hole, myself included in that, like, what do I do in 300 square feet to get away? And, and I think that we've all found our own ways to do that. And it's worked out so far really good. What do you do? How do you get away from people when you're in 300 square feet? What does that look like for you? Get outside, go for walks with the dog or just my time in the morning. I'm naturally an early riser. So I found that I can get up a little bit earlier, not necessarily intentionally to get up, but just would get up mostly because the dog would come in and wake me up because she wants to go outside and I would just stay up. And that was kind of my time. I've always enjoyed getting up and then I could research the next couple of weeks, couple of days of our travels and where we were going to stay. And it just gave me my time. So that's what I did. And, but everybody else I think has kind of found their own little spaces. I can't really give a ton of examples. I know the kids, for example, will go into their, their little, their beds that are kind of their personal spaces and just shut the curtain and give me my, my time, leave me alone. So I think so far everyone's kind of adapted very well to it. And Mm -hmm. since we've asked about going back to school, everyone said they wanted to continue on this journey with us. So it's made me smile and be like, wow, this is working out. And I look forward to continuing on and and seeing where the next couple months or six months really will take us and we'll reevaluate again and see where it goes. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I appreciate you Anything else you just want to share with listeners that you think is fun? Maybe a fun memory from the road or something that didn't go according to plan that you think is a funny story or just kind of curious, you know, give people a glimpse at what life is like on the road. Oh, boy, that's like a loaded question. Uh, Life on the road. um... Paint the picture for my audience on this experience. What has been like a day that you're like, I just want to remember this day forever? Day that is a good day while on the road was probably camping on a ski hill. And getting up and walking out the door and looking at the ski hill going, all right, we don't have to travel anywhere and we're going to walk up, jump in line and get first chair and go ski all day. And when it was break time, we were able to come down, grab a cup of coffee in the RV, grab lunch, have a snack, what have you. The kids just hung out, were able to go up and ski when they wanted to, as well as just, you know, hang out on the hill. And then at the end of the day, we're able to come home, literally walk to the end of the parking lot at the ski hill as the backdrop to our our house, if you will, have supper and basically wave to all the patrons leaving the parking lot <laughs> and hang out in the parking lot all night and then do it all over again the next day. So that was by far like one of 
my favorite days while traveling was those times that we, you know, stay right in a ski resort parking lot was super cool. But there was many other days. Just the one that we had in Canada was got up in the morning, made coffee, walked outside and looked at the mountains, you know, St. Elias mountain range sitting there, Kluwani National Park and, you know, had coffee, went for a walk with you and the dog and later on went to the the mud flats. And then we ended up going for a, a fabulous drive. Just joking. It was one of the worst drives, but again, you know, that morning was, was awesome. And that afternoon was great too, playing at the mud flats and then, you know, traveling on that day. That was, that was a, that was a good day. It's not always a vacation. I think that's another thing you highlighted. If people are curious, how can people follow along on our adventure, babe? I'd say the Instagram feed. I think you do. You do way more than <laughs> obviously there, but I would look there, you know, uh, and whatever you post, you post a ton of awesome little reels and stuff like that. I adore watching. I'm like, oh yeah, that's awesome. I remember doing that. Or join the email list. I've kind of fallen off the train. I knew going into this, it was going to be hard and I didn't want to turn our life into work. So I'll be honest, don't expect to get every little detail of where we are or advice on stops to make, but feel free to reach out to us. We love answering questions. It's been a fun ride. Thanks for making it happen. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for saying yes. And uh, yeah, there's so many fun things around this life that I'm, I'm pretty grateful for. So appreciate it. Well, that was fun. I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, RV travel for the Dusick family was inspired by the kids missing the dog during family travel experiments. The reason doesn't necessarily matter. It's the why that gets you going. Number two, when the gap year idea was suggested, the idea was more intentional family time and the flexibility to travel when and where they wanted. Being a teacher for 18 plus years, it felt like his life revolved around the school calendar. One of his goals was to ski midweek as an example of what it might look like to be on a gap year. Number three, the two challenges Brent had to work through was what would I do for work? Because that's what makes all of this possible. And how would the kids do schooling differently? Number four, part of getting your partner on board is allowing them to do things on their own timeline. When Brent told Heidi he was going to resign, she stated, I'm surprised it took this long. Number five, breaking away from the educational system. The hardest part was stepping away from the meaningful part of work, which was working alongside students. The mindset of I'm closing this chapter for now and I can always come back if I want to was helpful for him to take the next step. Number six, when the kids went back to school in the fall was when he realized his routine was different. However, during this time, substitute teaching confirmed he had made the right decision. Defining the parameters of what he enjoyed and what he was willing to do helped him gain clarity on the next steps and hands-on technical skills type of work. Number seven, in order to financially support the idea of a gap year required Brent to save his salary when both partners were still working knowing in the end it was going to allow them to do something bigger and better later on. It started out as a retirement savings plan, and when the gap year idea became more realistic, much faster than they expected, they were able to accelerate their savings and allow the gap year to be a midlife retirement experiment. Number eight, a gap year in his 40s allowed him to practice what he wanted retirement to look like. I couldn't ski like this when I retire. I don't know what my body's going to be like in my 60s. I'm not going to be able to ride the going to the sun road with my two boys because they're going to be older and have their own lives with their families. Number nine, the how became much easier when they were clear about what ultimately why they were doing this. They ended up hitting the threshold much sooner than they expected. 
Number 10, space becomes much less of an issue when you go outside. Finding time and defining boundaries helps each person thrive in smaller spaces. I hope you appreciated this little sneak peek into our life and a little bit about the family gap year, how we got here and how it's going. Continue to follow our journey, I guess. I don't post very frequently on Instagram, but I am trying to keep in touch on both the podcast, the email list, and on Instagram. So those are three ways. But feel free to reach out through the Ordinary Sherpa website at OrdinarySherpa.com. But feel free. I'd love answering any of your questions. If there's something in particular you'd like us to cover, let us know. Until then, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.